Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Take 85, 11 ways to reinvent yourself. I believe right now that you need more than one career in your life. You're probably going to need to reinvent yourself three, five times in your life. That old maxim of one career for the rest of your life, work hard, pension by 50, retire. I think that's dead and I think you know it. So what I'm going to cover in this episode is why you want, and maybe I'd argue need to reinvent yourself. I've got a a fair and stark warning to share with you as well. And then I'm going to share those 11 ways, which are going to be seeing the upside and the downside. Um, Two, reinvention journeys will be number two. Embracing change and seeing opportunity will be number three. Uh, And I've got a big example of that recently. Uh, It cost me £350,000. Studying trends will be number four. Curiosity, number five. Unlearning, number six. Disrupting yourself, number seven. Continual testing, number eight. Getting uncomfortable, number nine. Uh, Learning from everyone, and I'll talk about who, number 10. Uh, And then building assets, number 11. Right. So why would you want to? Why do you need to be able to reinvent yourself? So I believe that you're going to have many more than just one career. Now, if you're an entrepreneur like me, you might like multiple streams of income. You might like to juggle multiple businesses. Uh, As an entrepreneur, you have to reinvent yourself all the time. You have to be a leader, a manager, a cook, a cleaner, and a bottle washer. You have to be good at sales, good at marketing. You have to understand numbers and finance, recruitment, HR. Now, you don't have to be the best at all of those or an expert at all of those, but you do have to have a good general knowledge of those. And it's almost like you're putting a new hat on, um, sometimes on a daily basis or sometimes multiple times in a day. So you kind of got to reinvent regularly as an entrepreneur just how you look running your one business and being an entrepreneur. Um, And you might want multiple businesses. So I have a property training company, a business and personal development training company. I have a property purchasing company. Of course, I'm an author, a podcaster. I do a lot on social media. So I've got quite quite a few. In fact, I've got nine streams of income, uh, five or six main companies. I have a letting agency as well, which manages, what, nearly 800 properties. So um, I needed to reinvent myself over 15 years, at least four or five times. If you think about great pop stars like Michael Jackson or Madonna or David Bowie or Prince, they were continually reinventing themselves. And did, were they not to do that, their careers probably would have died. Of course, um, we're in lockdown 17.0. Uh, so lockdowns, viruses, quarantines, recessions, regulation changes, competitors, these can all disrupt you at a moment's notice with no warning. And so being able to reinvent yourself, yourself. See, I believe the ability to reinvent yourself. It's not about 
reacting to what happens. It's already being able to reinvent yourself. It's having that skill set in your armory so that when something drastic or dramatic does happen or you decide to reinvent yourself, you've got a model and a process. Now, in an upcoming episode on The Disruptive Entrepreneur, um, I've shared with you my six phases of change. So if you don't yet feel that confident or skilled at reinventing yourself regularly, or you have sort of concerns over it, or you feel like you're starting again, or you don't believe in yourself, or have the confidence, then you'll want to listen to that next episode coming soon on The Disruptive Entrepreneur, the six, my six phases of change. Now, look, we're, we're in exponential territory now. If you think about technology, it's growing exponentially. Um, you know, computing, the internet, the speed at which you can start and scale a business. We're in exponential growth now. But that also means we're in exponential challenges, exponential problems, exponential disruptions, exponential breakages. So because of that, you need to be able to react quickly, bob and weave and reinvent yourself. And, and sometimes you need to reinvent yourself in the day. And then sometimes you need to reinvent your whole career or your whole business. Also, I believe the ultimate freedom, the ultimate form of control. And, and of course, freedom is a great feeling. I believe the ultimate freedom is your ability to react to a situation. It is not what happens to you. It is how you react to it. And so to be able to reinvent your mindset, reinvent your idea of a career, reinvent your business, reinvent your marketing, reinvent your products and services, this is ultimate freedom. Way more freedom than passive income or, you know, big savings pot. Uh, now, the next thing is many entrepreneurs like myself like variety. If you're watching the live, let me know if you're one of these entrepreneurs that likes variety. I see variety as fun, keeps me fresh and engaged. You know, it avoids atrophy and boredom. Um, and, and if I want to be able to have variety in my life, I need to be, reinvent what I do on a daily basis or, or on a corporate or commercial level. Um, I like to build multiple assets. I like to build multiple streams of income. Um, and of course, the ability to reinvent your business model to go, for example, in property, single let to multi let to boutique HMO to small pub conversions, to bigger commercial conversions, to massive shopping center type conversions into, um, you know, 100 flats plus like we're doing now. So essentially, we're, it's, not, it's not, by the way, when it comes to reinvention, I don't mean that you have to invent something that's never done before. Um, so, you know, multi-letters have been done before we did them and commercial conversion have been done before we did them and um, property and business training have been done before we did them and podcasts and books have been done before I did them. Uh, so I'm not necessarily talking about being a genius and coming up with a new unique idea. I'm just talking about reinventing what you do, letting go of the old fears and the resistance and embracing change and moving quickly with change and, and ultimately creating opportunity. Right. So let's go into these 11 ways to reinvent yourself. So the first is seeing the upside in the downside. Um, if you've been following me for a while, you'll probably know I have the fundamental belief, universal belief across everyone, you know, every part of the planet, humanity, that in every situation or event that throws itself at you, uh, whether it's on a, a, um, a micro or a macro or a global or an intergalactic level, every upside has a downside. Thank you, Andrea, for the stars, by the way. That's very generous of you. But also every downside has an upside. So I believe there's this sort of duality that exists in everything. You get equal support and challenge. You get equal upside and downside. There's good and bad um, in all things. Um, so if you've been challenged 
um, you're frustrated, things are not going well and you feel a need to reinvent, it means you're only seeing the downside. Depression is seeing all down, elation is seeing all up. Both extremes without the polar opposite, I believe are actually an illusion or at least they're, you're trying to separate uh, the inseparable, like the yin and the yang. They, they, they're interlinked, aren't they? They affect each other, even though people try and separate them. Uh, so if you're struggling, you're challenged, you're disrupted, it just means that you're not yet seeing the upside. And when you see the upside, that's when you can move forward, reinvent yourself, start to make more money, build the extra income stream or the asset, get yourself out of the quagmire that you've got yourself in your head. Hi, it's Rob here, interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts for any training that we might run, not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a, a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anythings. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Um, and that leads me on to point two, which I'm going to give you a couple of stories about reinvention. So my favorite story of all for reinvention, um, and it's, it's amazing how serendipitous life is, because I read The Rise and Fall and Rise Again of Gerald Ratner in 2007, I believe. So what, 13, 14 years ago. And I thought, what a brilliant book. What a candid book. What a vulnerable book before everyone was saying, using the word vulnerable for marketing or whatever. I'm just going to be vulnerable here. Gerald's never used that word, but he was very vulnerable. Um, owned the, well, don't, didn't own the entire jewelry business, but was the biggest jeweler in Europe in the, what, 90s? I think he was, one year he did 1.1 billion in turnover with a B. Um, and, you know, Gerald was, of course, you know, uh, he could do no wrong. And then he had his infamous spate, uh, speech where he, he didn't actually say what the media said. Um, and that pissed me off a bit because since then I've become really good friends with Gerald. Um, but basically he did sort of um, demean his products and services and cheapen them in his speech. Um, you know, his jewellery, likening the price of them as a, or quality of a prawn sandwich, for example. The, the media killed him because, you know, the media loved to lift you up and then pull you down. The media pulled him down. Um, uh, he, his company got completely challenged. He actually um, got uh, fired from his own company by someone he brought in to fix his own company. Uh, and that, to fix the company, they fired Gerald. He spent the next 10 years in his pants in bed watching Countdown until his wife, Moira, who I also know very well, basically said, get out or we're divorcing. 
Um, and then he went and set up a gym with no money. Um, and he went and basically raised finance for that gym with a, uh, showing them a load of membership agreements he'd got. He'd signed up, you know, like direct debits, even though he didn't have the gym yet. So he went to the people and signed them up for the gym in the thousands with no gym. And then he went to the bank with no gym um, and put those two together. It's a brilliant book, The Rise and Fall and Rise Again of Gerald Ratner. Um, and, and then he sold that gym for quite a few million quid. And then he set up Gerald Online, his online jewellery business, and has made millions out of that. Uh, and then um, now he's a public speaker. He's done thousands of speeches and made millions out of that. And now on December the 3rd, 2020, he is launching with me a co-authored book called Reinvent Yourself. So, you know, what a great full circle. And whenever I think of disruption, challenge, reinvention, struggle, I, Gerald is the story. Elias just said on the live that Gerald, she always thinks of Gerald's story. Well, Gerald's story always comes to mind as well. Of course, there are others, many stories of reinvention. It, it might be when Steve Jobs came back into Apple, cleaned out the product range, only had a few products and, of course, turned that round. Um, my story uh, is similar in that um, I was a failing artist in 2005. My dad had a nervous breakdown in his pub. Um, he got diagnosed with bipolar. It was in front of uh, all of his customers. He got beaten up and sectioned by the police. And my life was kind of drifting away. That forced me into, um, I didn't even know what I was going to do, to be honest. I was just motivated, probably shamed. Uh, and, and I got into property and then I got into public speaking. I broke a public speaking world record. I built a company that won um, Business of the Year 2016. Um, I used to just write property books, property investing secrets, multiple streams of property income. And then I started um, non-property books like Life Leverage and uh, um, Start Now, Get Perfect Later and Money. And these all became bestsellers. Then I launched a podcast, which is now in over 200 countries. I have a lot of social media followers and have all these premium features like stars and supporters and Facebook Live events. And for me, really, I wasn't like disrupted by, by Gerald with one hard event, like a bolt of lightning. Um, although you could say my dad's nervous breakdown kind of did um, shake me into, you know, being productive and proactive and taking personal responsibility. Um, so for Gerald, he was forced. Uh, for me, I just like the variety. And so once I feel, feel like I figured something out and I'm doing all right out of it, I like to set up another asset and I like to have a new interest and a new hobby. Um, so whether it's forced upon you or whether you desire it, I think reinvention is vital. Um, so number three, then, is embracing change and seeing opportunity. The only constant is change. That is the only guarantee. I can't guarantee you riches overnight. I can't guarantee that you'll be wildly successful. Um, I can guarantee you challenges. Um, but what I can guarantee the most is the only constant is change. So most people, they find it hard to let go of change. They resist change. They want things to be done the way they've always done. They're worried for an uncertain future. That they, they, they fear what they don't know or understand or can control. When in reality, change brings equal upside as it does downside. This lockdown, you know, maybe you've connected more with your family. Maybe your health and fitness is better because you've gone out on a lot of walks. Maybe actually inadvertently, like me, your business has um, done even better and your margins are better and you've been able to scale globally. My um, views on my social media, my downloads on my podcast have all gone way up since the lockdown. So in every change, there's an opportunity, just like number one, in every downside, there's an upside. You've just got to see it. I've got a, a big example here. Well, big for Mark and I anyway. So Mark and I um, are, are doing a couple of big conversion projects at the moment. And when I say big, they're big for us. One of them is 85,000 square foot and it, it's a um, retail at the bottom and it'll be 100 uh, apartments um, on the three or four floors above. 
um, and we've not done a project this big before. And uh, we did have an initial builder to do the contract, but um, it was the project was probably too big for them. So we managed to exit that. And that was tricky and challenging, but Mark navigated that really well. And then Mark spent months doing a beauty parade and researching and doing his full-on anal DD, because Mark is one of the best at due diligence and analysis and research you've ever met. And he did so much diligence and research and he got a company finally in to take over the project. Big firm, you know, proven, uh, not taking big risks, company called Kelly. Within one month of starting the project, they went bust on us. We paid them the first tranche of money, about 400 grand. I think 50 of it got used and 350 of it went down and just went bust on us out of nowhere. Uh, And then they got uh, an ambulance chasing lawyer to sue us for breach of contract, even though they went bust on us. So then we um, we ended up settling um, out of court on that and we just took a hit on that. So probably lost 400 grand. Now, Mark and I have not lost lost 400 grand on a deal since we've started doing property 15 years ago. And so wouldn't it be ironic, a uh, sad irony, law of the sod, sod's law as we call it in the UK, that our biggest challenge and breakage, which is completely out of, completely out of our control, like Mark couldn't have done anything more, you know, the, 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 for us, the sad irony on our biggest project ever. Now, thankfully, we could take the hit of 400 grand. We split that between the two of us, 200 grand. We'll probably have to write some of that off against tax as a loss. Um, and, you know, thankfully, we could afford that. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, it wasn't a knockout punch, but it was a kidney shot. But get this, since then, Mark's taken over the project himself. He's got the project managers in. He's hired a lot of the, the um, contractors from that company that went bust, and they're really good. We're ahead of schedule now, and Mark's found two million pounds worth of extra value that he's been able to add to the project. So actually, it's, it was beneficial for us that Kelly went bust. We didn't even know it at the time. Um, and that is a great example of number one, seeing the upside in the downside, and number three, embracing change and seeing the opportunity. Number four, then, to uh, reinvent yourself is to study trends. What's happening in the future? What's happening in your industry? Where are the new marketing and social media platforms? Parlor is a new one. Are you testing that? Are you on that? Are you on any of the um, Asian ones if you want to be you know, a, a global powerhouse? Um, you know, what are people talking about all the time? What is the political landscape moving towards? Now, look, don't go down a rabbit hole and end up with debates and arguments and rants and spending an hour, hours a day on it. But I think it's wise to study trends and, and really momentum and movement and velocity of where, you know, where customer behavior, like obviously at the moment on the Internet and on social media and online retail, um, Shopify, for example, um, is, you know, where a lot of online retail is going now, whereas maybe before it was all on Amazon. So I think it's wise to do that. Maybe you can, in the end, you probably get good at predicting trends in your own industry. Okay, point five then is curiosity. And if you think about children, you know when they go, why daddy, why daddy, why daddy, why daddy, why daddy, why? And you say, shut up. You but actually, you know, if you could have the curiosity of a child, always wanting to ask questions, then you're going to not just survive, but thrive. You're going to embrace change. You're going to reinvent yourself, your business, reinventing your old ideals, reinventing the beliefs that you hold on to that maybe you don't need to hold on to anymore, Uh, reinventing how things were done that isn't working anymore and actually coming up with a new way to solve the new problem. Because right now the world has new problems. Your customers have new problems. And curiosity is the key. So I've become quite good friends with a billionaire called David McCourt. And every time I speak to him, he's asking me a load of questions. Now, he's more wealthy than me. He's been doing business longer than me. And therefore, you could argue he's more successful than me. But still, when we chat, 
how's this going? How's that going? How's your podcast going? What's going happening on your social media? Question after, because he's curious. The curious mind grows. The curious mind expands. The curious entrepreneur grows and expands. The one that thinks they know it all or wants to do it the old way or is very, um, you know, tunneled visioned about how they um, think, you know, I don't think that, that they win so much. Okay, so we've got six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven coming up, which is unlearning, disrupting yourself, continual testing, getting uncomfortable, learning from everyone, and building assets. But in case you haven't heard, um, December the third, twenty twenty, coming very soon. I'm launching my first book in eighteen months with Gerald Ratner called "Reinvent Yourself." It's kind of like his story and journey, but it's very different from the rise and fall and rise again. His first autobiographical book. It's a bit more how-to and what he learned along the way rather than more of an autobiography. And then what I do is um, I basically take over each chapter at the end and I add my thoughts and experiences in because Gerald and I have become very good friends. So um, if you're watching or listening after December the 3rd, just go to Amazon. It's live. You can get it. Uh, And in a few months, it'll be on Audible. And if you're watching or listening before December the 3rd, then get ready because it's going to be a massive launch day. I, I, I predict... Um, this will be our biggest book launch we've ever done. And I got Life Leverage, that you can see behind me, to number one in all books. Um, you can't get higher than number one in all books, but I, I think this will sell more books. I think this is the most... Well, I haven't written or launched, rather, a book because I've, I've actually... I'm writing three and I've just finished two. That will make 21 books. Um, but I haven't published a book for 18 months, so there's a lot of latent demand there. And right now, with everything that's going on in the world, I honestly believe in my bones that Reinvent Yourself is the best concept a book could have. Maybe the second best is opportunity. Watch this space. I might have written that book too. Okay, then. So let's move on to point six out of 11 of reinventing yourself. Uh, And that is unlearning. You have to unlearn what you knew that doesn't work anymore. The old way you have to unlearn. The old beliefs you have to unlearn. Um, And this is very, very important. You know, a lot of people, oh, well, I'm I'm doing really well in business because I don't have to spend any money on marketing because I just get referrals. You need to unlearn that fast. And you need to learn all the new ad platforms and you need to get on social media. Um, Oh, well, social media isn't really relevant for my business or whatever platform. Um, So often what we know holds us back from what we need to know. Uh, And, um, you know, I hope that you are good as an entrepreneur letting go of, um, the old way. You know, if ever I hear people say, look, we've, we, we're doing it because it's the way we've always done it. We've always done it that way. That's why we're doing it. I always challenge that. Now, sometimes it might be right, but at least if you challenge the thought process, you should never do things just because it's the way you've always done it. Because what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Okay. And seven is fairly linked to number six, which is fairly linked to number five. Um, Seven is disrupting yourself. Would you rather be disrupted by a quarantine, a lockdown, a virus, a competitor, regulation, lawsuit, etc.? Or would you rather disrupt yourself? Imagine that you can take yourself out of your own body for a moment and look at your business model and look at your mindset and your strategies and your tactics as if you were your main competitor and try and beat yourself. Now, if you can look at what you do as if you're a main competitor and try and beat yourself and sort of pick holes in how you would sort of Um, try and beat you, and then teach yourself that, that's essentially disrupting yourself. Reinventing yourself is disrupting yourself. So you reinvent yourself so that, you know, your industry doesn't have to reinvent you. It's just like, I would rather you disrupt yourself than someone disrupt you. Uh, And disruptions can happen anywhere at any time when you least expect it. So always challenge the way that you've done things. Always challenge the way that you think, the things that you believe. And from time to time, look at what you do 
uh, and try and pick holes in it. Not, you know, to not to uh, pick holes in yourself, um, but actually to fix all the, the problems that you have. You know, I, I see a lot of people come into the training space and say, oh, yeah, my course is the best. My course is the best. Oh, we do it the best. We're better than everyone. But they haven't got any proof of that. I, I don't even know why they say that. I think that maybe they believe it in themselves. But they haven't even looked at what's the downside of them yet. They haven't gone and experienced all the competitors. So Mark and I, over the years, have made it a mission of ours to go and experience all the competitors, do some of their courses, watch what they do, follow them, study them. And because actually, in reality, some of our competitors can do things different or better than us, or we can learn from them, um, which means you need to go back to number six, which is to unlearn some of the things you hold on to. And number five, be curious. You need to be curious what everyone in your industry is doing. Um, other, you know, if you just live in this sort of, as an artist, I used to, oh, I'm not going to galleries. I'm not entering competitions. I'm not looking at other people's art. I don't want it to affect or influence me. Uh, I just, that was a really myopic. Uh, I think it was a very, um, single minded, um, narrow, naive mindset, to be honest. Uh, I think you need to take in everything around you. Okay. Number eight is continual testing. Uh, so um, I have been asked three times in the last, um, what, four days um, about funnels and lead generation. Just want to shout out someone here who's given me some stars and has been very generous. Stuart, Stuart said, valuable point to compete creativity, creatively with your current version of yourself. So send me some stars. Thank you very much, Stuart. Um, so, yeah, three people have been asking me about funnels and order bumps, and should you have like a, a lead magnet, a free thing that you give away, and then sell them something small, and then sell them your main product, or should you give them free value, free value, free value, and then sell them your more expensive product? Um, uh, and, and in reality, there is no right or wrong answer. The answer is you should do an equal split test. So set up landing page A, landing page B, give away the same lead magnet, put the same amount of traffic through them. One um, vertical has an order bump where fairly early you sell a 20 or a 30 or a 50 quid product and then you move them into your, your nurture sequence and then have the opportunity to offer them your product or service. And then the other one, you don't have the order bump, you just have extra value and then take them down the same journey or everything equal except the order bump being the split test. Uh, and that will tell you the result of whether an order bump is better for lifetime client value um, because some people say, hey, well, look, if you um, make a small offer, a small purchase, you know, like a book or um, a deal analyzer or a piece of software or something like that, under 50 quid, you know, that's the, the first amount of money that you get from a client is the hardest amount of money to get from them because there's low trust at that point and high friction. So if you can get that out of the way, you can increase the trust and reduce the friction. But what you also might do is annoy someone if you, tr if you sell to them immediately when they've only just found you and they want to get value from you. You know, if you went and listened to my podcast, A Disruptive Entrepreneur, and episode one, there were three ads at the start, that might actually create some friction. And you might go, oh man, three ads. I remember listening to a, a, a really, a podcast by someone I really admire and really respect. In fact, I, I, I've had him on my podcast. I'm not going to mention his name because I, I don't like to name and shame. But he launched his podcast and it was like three, three ads on a 15 minute podcast. And it just made me, it really made me doubt him, which is a bit of a shame. Um, so successful, why does he need to chuck ads in? He's very sort of, um, had take the moral high ground in marketing as well, a lot. And then chucking three ads in 15 minutes on a podcast. And I don't have anything against that, by the way. It just, it just seemed, it didn't seem to fit. Now, if he'd have waited till episode 30 or 40 and then ran one ad and then wait to episode 60 and ran two ads and then wait, wait to episode 100 and run three ads, 
well then, you know, it may have been more palatable. So you've got to think about these things. And in reality, you've got to try and create an equal split test. So continual testing. Um, and my friend Matt, Matt Janusek, who owns Escape, um, he said, look, if you want to get into creating products, um, go and get 10 made. Now, look, a product that you need to sell for 50 quid, it might cost you 200 quid each to make 10 of them. But go make 10 of them, go test it, test it and get real-time feedback. Um, because if you go and make 10,000 and then it doesn't work, you're flopped. And when it comes to online information, courses, book titles, book covers, I don't know if you follow me on Facebook, but I've put three book covers up for Reinvent Yourself and I've been getting loads of feedback and you know, quite a lot of people basically saying it was shit. Um, I actually really like it, but um, we've got there in the end. We've definitely got a better version having gone through two or three rounds of tests and asking our community, crowdsourcing. Okay, number nine on 11 ways to reinvent yourself is getting uncomfortable. I believe it's important to get comfortably uncomfortable continually. Don't get so uncomfortable you could crash and burn. Don't go all in. Don't take massive risks. That's bad advice. But continually test yourself. Get comfortably and incrementally uncomfortable. Try and do something that gives you a bit of the eebie-jeebies and a bit of the tingles every day. It scares you, but doesn't put, you know send the complete frights into you. Uh, I'm just being very careful the way I say this, by the way, because a lot of people say, oh yeah, get uncomfortable, get uncomfortable all the time. Take big risks, do things that scare you. But sometimes if you do things that are too big for you, too white, above your station at that time, like if you're a white belt, you're not going to go and spar with a black belt full on, are you? That would just be stupid. Um, but continual, incremental and small levels of discomfort on a regular daily basis. What it does is it builds that uncomfort muscle so you can take more and more discomfort. But of course, nearly all of your growth is in the uncomfortable, isn't it? Outside of your comfort zone. And that's a great way to train yourself to reinvent yourself. I believe you can learn to, to be able to reinvent yourself very quickly. Um, just like you, know, you can learn to take higher levels of discomfort or you can learn to focus your mind on one thing when you meditate. These are all skills that you can learn. Okay, and then point 10 is learn from everyone. This is a penultimate one. Look, you, you know if you follow me and men, many influencers that it's great to learn from mentors, coaches, to be in mastermind groups, maybe a therapist, um, you know, maybe just a, a mentor who's been there and done it. We all know that it's wise, well, all entrepreneurs I think know it's wise to learn from people who've trodden the path. Stand on the shoulders of giants, learn from the greats, own the traits and model the traits of the greats. But I think that when people think about that, what they don't do is try and learn from everyone. Well, they're, oh, well, they're not really um, relevant to me or I'm kind of ahead of them. So I can't really learn anything from, from them and I'll ignore them. Uh, 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 I think you can learn from everyone. I think you can learn from your kids, your customers, your staff, uh, your, your clients, your followers, your fans, your critics, your trolls, your haters, as well as mentors, therapists, coaches, uh, trainers and, and being in masterminds. So if you have this mindset of learning from everyone, I think you're going to win big. Um, also, like I like hanging around with older people to learn from their wisdom. I love hanging around with younger people to get their energy and their vitality and their youth. So just try and have a really good variety of people, people who support you, people who challenge you, you know, people who have kind of got your back and people who sort of, you, you know, like get you to second guess yourself all the time. People who've been there and done it, people who've got a fresh set of eyes. It's good to have all, I believe. And then finally, number 11, 11, number 11 on 11 ways to um, reinvent yourself fast is um, building assets. Now, if you want to set up multiple streams of income on multiple companies, um, it's best to leverage the existing ones to create the new ones. So Mark and I, we started buying property. Then we wrote a book on property from what we learned buying property. Then we started selling property deals to other people from deals we were already sourcing because we were already buying property. 
Then we set up a letting agency managing the properties that we'd already bought buying property. Then we set up a property training company teaching what we'd already learned, having a letting agency sourcing deals for people and buying our own property. So you can see each time we set up a new asset class or business model, we're leveraging the existing one. We're not going from cross-stitching to cosmetics to... I don't know, um, health and fitness and then um, HR and then property because they're all unrelated. You can't leverage what you learned on each one. You have to start again, again, again. You go up a ladder, down a snake, up a ladder, down a snake. But when you um, set a new business model up, uh, which is linked to an existing asset. So for me, when I'm doing loads of social media content, setting up a podcast is easy because I'm already doing loads of content. It's just a different format. When I've written a few books, it's easy to write another one. I might get a ghostwriter or a collaborator, like with Joel Ratner, collaborating on reinventing yourself. It's actually called reinvent yourself, um, not reinventing yourself. So um, just make sure that when you start new things, you leverage on the things that you've already done. So you're not starting and stopping and starting and stopping. Because whilst I have taught you many ways to reinvent yourself, if you start and stop new things all the time, uh, it just takes you so much longer to, you know, get the results, the progress, the outcome and the success um, because uh, it's like going all the way up to square 95 on the snakes and ladders and then going down a massive snake down to number 12 again. Okay, so December the 3rd coming up. We have the launch of the brand new book, Reinvent Yourself with Gerald Ratner and myself. Make sure you grab it on launch day. We've got some sweet bonuses and a brand new summit called the Reinventing Yourself Summit. Um, with some great speakers and content we've never shared before. So this is a complete one-off, so I think you'll love it. Uh, If you're watching or listening after December the 3rd, just go to Amazon, you can get the book. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Bit of a deep dive this one. Um, 11 ways to reinvent yourself fast. The warning is that if you don't reinvent yourself, then you will um, be forced into um, de-evolution. You will be evolved out of society you will be forced into disruption. And I think it's better to disrupt yourself than be disrupted by someone else. So quick summary, because I'm often given feedback that the summaries are useful. Number one, we see the upside in the downside. Number two, I talked about Gerald Ratner's famous speech on how he was basically doing a billion in the jewelry business globally. Then one speech meant he lost everything and then went up to making millions in a gym again. And then he made millions in an online jewelry um, business. And then he made millions as a public speaker. And now he's going to make millions with the book with me, um, How to Reinvent Yourself. Jace, thank you for the 100 stars. You're very kind. Uh, Right. Then number three is embracing change and seeing the opportunity in the change. Number four is studying the trends in your markets and even markets outside of your markets. Number five is staying curious and, you know, asking questions continually. Number six is unlearning bad habits, bad beliefs, things that that used to be that are are no longer. Number seven, disrupting yourself before someone else or a regulation or a virus does. Number eight, continual testing. So you, you test, you evaluate, you tweak. You test again, you evaluate, you repeat. So you test, you evaluate, you tweak, you test again, you evaluate, you repeat. I'm launching a brand new product for um, Black Friday. We've got a Black Friday special coming up and we're quite well known for our massive Black Friday offers. This is going to be the biggest one we've ever done by a mile. Um, I said I wouldn't do it, but I am. And we've got some amazing deals and I'm launching something for the first time. Um, I think it's going to blow the socks off the industry. I think people are going to love it, but there is some risk for us. 
So what I'm doing is I'm doing Black Friday the day before for my supporters. So I've about 3,000 supporters. So I'm going to do a Black Thursday for supporters. And I'm going to do it as normal, uh, as, as if it were Friday, but just for my supporters. And I'm going to sh- test this new product with them. Now, if it flies, um, which could be good or bad, by the way, because if we sell too many, it could be bad for us because of a, a lower margin on it then I'll be able to evaluate whether I add it into Black Friday or not. Whereas if I just go into Black Friday and don't do any testing, um, then, you know, that, that could be damaging for us. Or, or um, our community just might not have the desire for it. Number 10 is getting, sorry, number nine is getting uncomfortable, continually and incrementally uncomfortable. It's a practice. You can build the, the muscle of um, ever increasing levels of discomfort. Number 10 is learning from everyone, not just the mentors, the coaches and the people you look up to, but all of us, the older, the younger, the people in different industries, the beginners, the winners, the masters, the disasters. And then number 11 is building assets and leveraging existing things that you've done and that you know, so that you shorten the time to um, add those extra assets or income streams into your portfolio. So thanks for tuning in. Love you all. Um, Yeah, got nothing else to say, except remember this. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything.